the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Republicans want school choice. Democrats want drag queens. And the Democrats and the drag queens are doing a great job of promoting school choice. The Attorney General of Michigan, Dana Nessel, is gay, in case you wanted to know. And yesterday she was at a speech hosted by the uh, the Michigan Department of Civil Rights. She got onto the subject of conservatives being uh, upset over the stories of kids being subjected to really ugly men uh, dressing up in sexy women's clothes to make themselves look like really ugly women. Uh, and here's what she said, quote, You know what's not a problem for kids who are seeking a good education? Drag queens. Drag queens are entertainment, unquote. Then she threw this in, uh, quote, And you know what I'll say that was totally not poll tested? I'd say this, a drag queen for every school. Now, as I've said here many times, unquote there, as I've said here many times, I just don't get the whole drag queen thing. They're not funny. They're really ugly. And I don't know why anybody would think grade school kids would be interested in looking at them. And my other question is, why is it okay for men to dress up like women and do sexually charged dancing, I guess you would call it, in skimpy clothes in front of kids. I mean, parents bring their kids to this stuff. But it wouldn't be okay. Imagine the scandal if uh, a school decided to have some women come in uh, and dress up like women, you know, wear women's clothes and do sexually charged dancing in those skimpy, real, actual women's clothes in front of kids. In other words, strippers. That would be pretty scandalous, wouldn't it? Well, obviously, neither should be at a grade school, but it actually would be healthier if they brought strippers in and used them. That's how ridiculous the the drag queens are. But that's the Democrats today, and they're still, by the way, vehemently opposed to school choice. They're not giving in on that. And when we come back, we're going to talk about where the school choice movement is right now, but also show you just how hypocritical the Democrats are about it. With We have some great examples. In our second half hour, the Watergate break-in was 50 years ago tomorrow. We're going to have the author of a book called The Mysteries of Watergate, and you're probably going to find out a lot of things about Watergate that you didn't know before. Stick around. When it's time to replace your roof, siding, gutters, and downspouts, entry doors, and, of course, windows, you can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwald. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for all your exterior home projects. Why pay double with some other companies? Windows R Us will always give you the best price on the best in-class products, backed by the best warranties in the industry, all with zero sales pressure. And speaking of zero... Right now, get zero interest financing for 12 months and no processing fee with prices set to increase on all exterior products. Lock in your quote today. Schedule a free estimate and inspection today at windowsarustpittsburgh.com. You've tried the rest, now try the best. windowsarustpittsburgh.com. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, call Select Quote at 1 800 690 4040. That's 1 800 690 4040. Or go to SelectQuote.com. 1 800 690 4040. That's 1 800 690 4040. Select Quote. 
We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. Where are your family's old film reels, videotapes, and photos? Are they sitting in dusty shoeboxes and neglected bins at risk of completely fading away? Digitizing your aging media with Legacy Box is the safe and easy way to preserve and pass down your family's legacy. Simply send your Legacy Box kit filled with old home movies and pictures. Legacy Box does the rest, converting your moments to DVD or digital. Legacy Box has been trusted by over 1 million families and has over 10,000 five-star reviews. Be your family's hero. Unlock the memories trapped on VHS, camcorder tapes, and 8mm reels. Experience the joy and excitement of re-watching your wedding day, baby's first steps, and Christmas mornings. Feel relief knowing all those cherished moments are safe from fires and water damage. The Legacy Box Father's Day event is happening now. Go to LegacyBox.com slash LBOX to save 50%. Legacy Box is great for your family or as a gift for dad. That's LegacyBox.com slash LBOX for 50% off. LegacyBox.com slash LBOX. This view was worth a hike. Right? And it's a good way to stay on top of my health. Yes, I'm Cologuard, a prescription colon cancer screening option for people 45 plus at average risk. Have you screened for colon cancer? Not yet. Don't wait. It's more treatable when caught in early stages. Tell me more. Cologuard is non-invasive and it's used at home. It detects altered DNA in your stool to find 92% of colon cancers. 92%? Yep, even those in early stages. This was seen in a clinical study with patients 50 and older. Any positive results should be followed by a diagnostic colonoscopy. False positive and negative results may occur. Cologuard is not a replacement for colonoscopy in high-risk patients. Do not use if you have had adenomas, have inflammatory bowel disease and certain hereditary syndromes, or a personal or family history of colon cancer. Most insured patients pay $0. Ask your provider or an online prescriber if Cologuard is right for you. Or visit Cologuard.com. I'm in. This is the John Stacker Walt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. The school choice movement is growing uh, for a lot of reasons, and it really got a boost from the lockdowns during COVID insanity. But it's, it's not something Democrats are willing to go along with, probably ever. And there's no topic that exposes their hypocrisy more. Corey DeAngelis is the National Director of School Choice Now, and he joins us uh, right now. Thanks for uh, coming on again, uh, Corey. Always good to have you. Hey, John. Thanks so much for having me. So um, before we get to the uh, long list of hypocrites that you provided to Fox (laughs) News, um, (laughs) how about the Attorney General of Michigan saying drag queens for every school? Uh, I think that was a pretty good ad for school choice. Yeah, totally. I mean, all of these problems that we've seen bubbling up in particular over the past couple of years, they're all just one-size-fits-all issues, whether it's the CRT bans of today or the common core battles of yesterday. The main problem is that we force millions of families to send their kids to these one-size-fits-all institutions that, by definition, aren't going to work for a diverse population of families. The best way forward through freedom rather than force is to allow the money to follow the child so that families can take their kids' education dollars to an institution that aligns with their values, where they don't have a bunch of politically divisive topics in the classroom that some people would say that is not at all acceptable for younger children. Um, families could vote with their feet away from that those issues. Uh, the other way to, to try to fix these problems are these top-down bans of certain curriculums. But what we're seeing is that it's a little bit more trickier than that when it comes to the implementation and enforcement when the public schools uh, don't do the right thing and, and they run afoul of the law. Um, you have these videos surfacing in red states like Idaho, Tennessee, and Iowa so far already from an organization called Accuracy in Media, and they're exposing with undercover videos that the public school administrators are admitting that even though these states have bans of CRT, they're still doing it and just calling it something else, whether that's social-emotional learning or whether it's uh, student mental health. It's just a game of whack-a-mole, these top-down policies. The better solution, again, is school choice so that everybody can send their kids to an institution that isn't indoctrinating but rather educating. And and none of that would matter uh, if there was a choice. If there were a choice for for parents, uh, a school can have a drag queen every day if you want. Go ahead. And the parents who think that's okay for their kids or if they think CRT is wonderful for their kids, they send them there. But the only way they get away with this stuff is when there is no choice. 
Exactly. And it's not a popular thing to do. Most people just want to send their kids to school to read, the, to learn how to read, write, and do math. And the thing is, when you're, you have a captive audience and families can't vote with their feet and kids are stuck, but particularly lower income families don't have many exit options in the current system, they just have to continue sending their kids there. And they can fight back at the school board meeting and voice their concerns but that blows back, right? You have the school boards essentially labeling parents as domestic terrorists when they do step up and try to change things. But at the end of the day, even if sometimes they listen to you in the long run, it's a, a system that is designed to fail because people differ about how they want their kids raised. People might have want, want some type of uh, political stuff in the classroom. Some people might want to focus more on the arts or the sciences. People disagree about how they want their kids raised, how they want them educated, and kids have different interests and they learn in different ways. This one-size-fits-all system, again, by definition, is just not going to work. And of course, and, you... and the, Go ahead. the one one other thing is the one other uh, benefit of school choice is there's a competitive response. If you are a provider of education services and you have to compete for for families' uh, uh, education dollars. Well, then your best interest is to focus on the basics, because if you start to focus on politically divisive concepts, whatever that is, whether it's too right-leaning or too left-leaning or whatever it may be, you're going to irritate a lot of your customer base, and so that, that, that would not be in your best interest. So I think a, a school choice system would also lead to a competitive response in the, in the public schools, too. Yeah, the latest thing, or one of the latest things, is that uh, Joe Biden is going to not give kids uh, their – not give the – schools funding for lunches if they don't support uh, transgenderism in the schools and a promotion of of that in the schools. Yeah. Yeah. So get rid of the damn Department of Education. Right. Um, The the word education is not in the U.S. Constitution. So that power is reserved to the states. And, you know, at the end of the day, since 1979, when the department was established, outcomes haven't gotten better. We've We've poured more and more money into the system. At least since 1970, we've increased per people education expenditures by about 152% after adjusting for inflation in the United States. Outcomes haven't gotten any better. The money's not going to the classroom. Teacher salaries have only increased by 8% over that same time period compared to 152%. The teachers aren't getting it. The current system isn't good for families. It's not good for teachers. It's only good for the teachers' union bosses like Randy Weingarten, who make over $550,000 per year, who benefit from just putting more people into the system because that means more dues-paying members and more um, a larger voting block. And look, at the end of the day, yeah, the Biden administration with this move is essentially playing schoolyard bully and taking poor kids' lunch money away from them with this proposed um, uh, plan here to, to if, if the low income kids school just happens to not have the bathroom or sports policy that's aligned with the Biden worldview that the, the federal government, that's, that's federal government overreach and it should be left to the states to decide. And we should take it a, a step further. It should be up to the parents to decide what's mm-hmm. best for their own kids, not even the state government or even the local government, the most local form of control is the individual family unit deciding for their own kids as opposed to bureaucrats sitting in offices hundreds of miles away. We're talking to Corey DeAngelis. He's National Director of Research at uh, School Choice Now. Um, Hey, Corey, we had you on the show here a long time ago, probably three years ago, I guess. And one of the things I'm noticing here on your Twitter feed is uh, at DeAngelis Corey, by the way, is that you now have 100,000 followers. Now, I don't know how many followers you had three years ago, but I'm guessing it was not 5,000 when the first time you were on the show. And, exactly, uh, so, exactly. Uh, so it has yeah. grown, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. And a lot of it has been because the teacher unions have put, overplayed their hands so much over the past two years and awakened the sleeping giant, which happens to be parents who want more of a say in their kids' education. And they're looking for news on what's going on in the school system. I think I provided a lot of that. And uh, school choice support is at an all-time high. There's been an eight percentage point jump in support of school choice since April of 2020, with now 72% of Americans supporting the concept of the money following the child to the education provider that works best for their kids, whether that's a public school, a charter school, a private school, or a homeschooling option. 
And I also started a lot of this with exposing school choice hypocrites, which the Fox Fox News yeah, covered today yep. about Biden and Pelosi. One of them was Elizabeth Warren. I, I exposed her in 2019 uh, because this information wasn't out, but I found out with Ancestry.com looking at old yearbooks that she sent Alex Warren, her son, to a private school in Austin and also one in Pennsylvania uh, after after they moved to Pennsylvania. And she lied about it on video. Uh, a mom was just saying at a campaign rally in 2019, you know, I, just, I heard you sent your kids to private school. I just want the same opportunities you had uh, and your family had. And Elizabeth Warren quickly responded on video, no, I sent my kids to public schools, which yeah. was a lie because it was a false denial. And look, at the end of the day, I don't care if all these politicians send their kids to private schools. I think it's a great opportunity. Every family should ha- should seek out the best educational options for their kids. I can't blame them for that. But at the same time, after exercising school choice for yourself and your family, you shouldn't fight against school choice for less advantaged parents. Yeah, so let's uh, look at some of our favorites here. Let- let's start with the big guy. Uh, he's Mr. Um, uh, Teachers Union, Mr. Public Schools. But what's his background and and his level of hypocrisy. Yeah, so Joe Biden almost exclusively attended private schools all through K through 12, I believe in college as well. I think he uh, graduated from Archmere Academy, a very expensive private school. I think the tuition should be over $30,000 a year now, if I recall correctly. And he also sent his kids uh, to private schools, uh, his two sons and his grandkids go to private schools as well, all very uh, expensive private schools. Um, And again, I don't care if Joe Biden does that. I, I think every family should do that mm-hmm. if, if that's the best option for you. If, if the public school is good, you should choose that too. Um, but you shouldn't fight against school choice for disadvantaged kids. But you're 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 out there pushing this, and and you're out there pointing it out. We'll get to a couple of these other people too in a minute. But um, I don't see these people. Uh, you you confronted or someone confronted Elizabeth Warren. Uh, and got her exposed as, as being a liar about the whole thing, as you mentioned just a minute ago. <laughs> but um, the media, this is such a, 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 a low-hanging fruit where you have these people saying we cannot have school choice and public schools are wonderful. It's, the, it's, it's a no-brainer question for them. Oh, really? Well, how come you chose not to send your kids to these schools? And nobody's asking yeah, them, though. It- and someone should ask uh, the Democratic candidate for governor in Pennsylvania. I believe his name is Josh Shapiro. Uh-huh. Um, he he went to private schools and sent his kids to private schools. And again, that's fine. But he was also endorsed by the Pennsylvania State Education Association, which leads me to believe I, he's he's not a fan of allowing the money to file the child to to private schools. Right. So he, no, no choice for me, but not for thee. And uh, more people should be asking those questions in, in Pennsylvania. Then there's Kamala Harris, another one. Yeah, so uh, she she also uh, benefited from school choice and sent, um, uh, I believe, her stepkids to private schools. Uh, I'd have to look further into the article. Yeah. But yeah, you have Speaker Pelosi um, also um, sent, sent her son to private school. And this, you know, the list just goes on and on. And I also have a, a map of these examples at the Educational Freedom Institute website. If you if you type in Educational Freedom Institute or school choice hypocrisy map, you'll find a map of the United States. And if you want to look at your state, you can hover over and see uh, prominent figures who, who exercise school choice for themselves, <laughs> but then turn around and pull up the ladder of opportunity and fight against school choice for poor kids. But, Corey, to me, again, it gets back to – I, I, I was talking about this 15 years ago um, about school choice and and uh, and and people who said you know just what you're pointing out here these this has been going on forever but it's the question isn't whether it's going on or whether they whether anybody should do something about it it's that the media don't pursue it they don't ask about it that's it's a it's a no-brainer question for these people make them defend you you can't say how wonderful the public schools are if you don't send your own kids there that's that's pretty simple yeah and one of this reminds me of the virginia governor's race one of the last big media appearances of terry mcauliffe the guy who said i don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach and that blew up on him it caused him i'd say to lose the election i mean glenn youngkin won with education voters by about six percentage points, and he won overall by two percentage points in a state that went to 10 percentage points to Biden just the year before. Terry McAuliffe on Meet the Press said uh, something along the lines of, 
you know, me and Dorothy, we uh, we live in Virginia. Uh, our, our, uh, public education is great. Our, our kids went to went to schools in Virginia. He was essentially implying that he sent his kids to public schools in Virginia, but it turns out that Terry McAuliffe sent all four of his four or five of his kids to private schools. It's just a never-ending hypocrisy. And if Republicans are smart, they'd pull a Glenn Youngkin and lean into this as much Absolutely. as possible yeah. because the the opponents of educational freedom have uh, an indefensible position that they believe your kids belong to the government and that parents shouldn't have a say in their kids' education. And often they have choice for their own kids and they have a say in their own kids' education by sending them to public or private schools that work for them. And so the more that politicians can call this out, I think the media will talk about it a little more. And um, I think supporters of educational freedom should be more emboldened to make this a winning issue because it truly is a winning issue. Yeah, it'd be nice Parents if, want to say in their kids' education. There's, there's no doubt about it. It would be nice if a uh, debate moderator mentioned it once in a while. I got I get to get to something else here before we run out of time. These people all got some bad news in Iowa last week. What happened out there? Ooh. Yeah, so Iowa had an education savings account bill, the gold standard of school choice, passed through their Senate with, with a 31 to 18 vote, with only one Republican joining the Democrats in opposition. And then it got to the House, which is 60 percent Republican in Iowa, and it, it didn't get the votes, even though Governor, Governor Reynolds pushed and um, uh, made, it, made it an important issue, kept the legislature in, in session, and uh, – it just didn't turn out because you had some fake Republicans coming out against a Republican Party platform issue uh, to block the school choice bill. One being the chair of the House Education Committee, Representative Dustin Height, who um, ended up losing in Iowa last week uh, by a lot to a school choice champion, Helena Hayes. Even though he was the incumbent, he received money from the teachers union and uh came out against the governor's educational freedom bill. That's, that's, that should be a wake-up call to uh, more Republicans all across the country, and Democrats, too. I mean, it's a winning issue for both sides, but especially for Republicans who claim to be the parents' party. You can't claim to be the parents' party and then come out against the only way that truly secures parental rights and education, which is giving them the freedom to choose. The education dollars are meant for educating the child. It doesn't belong to the government schools. It should follow the kid to wherever they get an adequate education. But Reynolds came out fighting and endorsed nine candidates who supported education freedom. School choice is at the ballot box, and it won. Eight out of those nine candidates won, and I believe five incumbents who opposed an education savings account bill lost their seats. Good. Uh, so that should be a warning sign to other states. Good. i got about a minute and a half left here with Corey DeAngelis. He's the National Director of Cho uh, School Choice uh, Research, and he, he National Director of Research for School Choice Now. Um, less than an hour from where I'm sitting, right here about down in West Virginia, they managed to make ESAs happen. Are Republicans acting yep. quickly enough and loudly enough on this? I don't think they are. I think they talk about it a lot more than they walk the walk. They need to do something about it, and as opposed to just talking about it. Governor Reynolds is doing something about it in Iowa. More governors, every Republican governor, should be screaming this to the rooftops because it's a political winner. Parents are super supportive of school choice. Think about the latest Real Clear Opinion research polling. 72% of Americans support school choice. That holds across the business about every uh, ideological line. You have supermajority support in that same poll among Republicans, Democrats, and independents, uh, the independents swung in favor of Glenn Youngkin on the in issue of education in Virginia. Uh, some have credited school choice moms uh, with the Governor Ron DeSantis' victory in Florida in 2018 um, because his opponent uh, was was opposed to the school choice program that benefited low-income and minority families. And so it's a political winner for um, for. Uh, uh, politicians and at the end of the day it's the right thing to do the money doesn't belong to the buildings it belongs to the kids i'm sure we'll have you on again to talk about this always love to do it and i love what you're doing out there and keep at it and peek adding to those uh hundred thousand followers you got now thanks for coming on yeah thanks so much okay that's Corey DeAngelis, and he is the national director of research at school choice now we'll be right back
With SRN News, I'm John Scott. The January 6th committee continues hearings today with a focus on the role of former Vice President Mike Pence. Bob Agnew reports. John Committee Chairman Benny Thompson of Georgia says former President Trump, frustrated at his election loss, latched onto what he calls a nonsensical and anti-democratic theory. That one man, his own vice president, could determine the outcome of the election. Republicans continue to lampoon the hearings as a waste of time, a diversion away from the Democrats' own failed policies. This takes their eye off the ball of fighting inflation. This interferes with their statutory obligation and their independence. That's Republican Study Committee Vice Chairman Mike Johnson. And John, the panel is promising it will prove that then-President Trump knew he had lost the election, but pressured Vice President Pence to reject the results all the same. Bob Agner reporting. This is SRN News. I've always been kind of cynical towards advertising, which I know doesn't make much sense considering I'm currently recording a commercial. It's all the fluffy words that make us cynical, right? A once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, a blue light special, but only, of course, if you call right now. It all kind of makes me nauseous, and yet here I am about to say that right now actually might be a once-in-a-lifetime moment for some of us, and that is the opportunity of a cash-out refinance. Arguably never has there been a moment in time like the last few years where home values have jumped at crazy historical levels, leaving all this extra money sitting inside our homes. A cash-out refinance lets you put that extra money in your pocket to use for life. If you'd like to see your options, we are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Middle Park Road, Melbourne, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to Animalist Consumer Access. Or corporate Animalist Number 1330. Equal housing lender. Licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. Dr. Sebastian Gorka sees a perfect record of incompetence. If you were deliberately trying to destroy America, would you do anything different from what Biden has done? There's not one thing, not one thing. And that's what happens when you, quote unquote, elect somebody who hates America to the White House. America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Afternoons at 3, right before John Steigerwald at 5 on AM 1250. The answer. United We Pledge has partnered with Balance of Nature to help ensure traditional American freedoms exist for us and for future generations. United We Pledge is raising money to build an American Village West campus that will house replicas of key historic buildings and realistic portrayals of the men and women who helped shape this nation. This village will provide educational experiences for youth and families. To raise funds and bring awareness to this project, world record-holding endurance athlete Tom Jones is running 76 consecutive marathons from the original American Village in Alabama to the future home of the American Village West in Washington County, Utah. He will be powered by Balance of Nature Fruits and Veggies. Balance of Nature is proud to provide fruits and veggies in a Patriot Pack for a limited time to support this effort. A portion of the proceeds from each Patriot Pack will go directly to United We Pledge to help build this project. Use promo code VILLAGE to receive 35% off your first preferred order. Go to buypatriotpack.com to start your pledge to help preserve the freedoms we value. Your spouse has said your marriage is over and they're ready to walk out the door. So where does that leave you? I'm Dr. Joe Beam, founder of Marriage Helper. We've helped thousands of couples in this exact situation. We want to share with you the things you can do right now to start turning this crisis around. Visit lovestories.com for the free Save My Marriage mini course. Happening now on lovestories.com. That's lovestories.com. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. W223CS Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the answer mobile. Smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Our busy afternoon continues. If you're on the Parkway East, you'll see those downtown delays about an extra 10 minutes from 2nd Avenue to the Fort Pitt Bridge. Pretty similar delays on the outbound side. Boulevard of the Allies up to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. Parkway West, not too bad. A little sluggish outbound. Banksville Road to Carnegie. P.J. McArdle Roadway at East Sycamore Street. Watch out for an accident there. 837 construction delays. Neal Street to Glenwood Bridge. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. 
Partly cloudy skies expected for tonight. We'll see a nighttime low of 69. Mostly sunny tomorrow. Breezy, less humid, not as warm. We'll reach a high of 81. Mainly clear and cooler tomorrow night with a low of 54. Mostly sunny Saturday. Breezy and pleasant. Use sunscreen for extended time outdoors. We'll reach a high Saturday of 68. Sunday, pleasant. Periods of clouds and sun. The high 74. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. The John Steigerwall Show. AM 1250, The Answer. 50 years ago today, politics were about to change forever because of what was going to happen 50 years ago tomorrow. That would be the Watergate break-in that changed politics and journalism forever. It even changed the language, as uh, I think you probably have noticed. Ever since, every major scandal has the word gate tacked on at the end. That's been going on for 50 years now. John O'Connor is the author of The Mysteries of Watergate, What Really Happened, and he joins us now. John, thanks for coming on the show. Had you on before. Appreciate you coming back. Yeah, pleasure to be with you, John. So the, the title suggests that what we all think happened didn't really happen. We don't have uh, a lot of time to go into the, all the work that you did on this book, so let's just start with the, the biggest misconception as far as you're concerned. Well, in the John Dean special that was on CNN the other night, he and Woodward, Dean and Woodward, made a big deal of talking about how this break-in was because a, a president was obsessed on winning. Therefore, the whole thing emanated from the Oval Office. First big lie. Second part of that same lie is that it was for campaign purposes, that he was trying to win uh, the election and doing anything he could, which he, you needed to have as part of that narrative because it was so silly to break into the DNC. It made no sense to break into the DNC. The fact is, the Oval Office had nothing to do with this. It was not for campaign purposes, and it wasn't, it, it wasn't ordered by any high-ups in the administration. Nixon never knew what he was avoiding here. He always thought that one of his aides must have done it, one of his high aides, and they all denied it. And everyone th- thinks, well, somebody's falsely denying, Colson or Mitchell. But uh, Charles Colson is Hatchet Man Mitchell, his former attorney general. So uh, the fact is, this was a thing in which the CIA had infiltrated the White House and went in league with a couple lower-level White House lieutenants to listen to naughty boys talking to naughty girls. The lower defend the lower lieutenants thought this would help them gather oppo dirt so that they could be cool and everyone loves their own intelligence portfolios. And this is a way that, for instance, John Dean would get ahead, as he admits in the book aptly titled Blind Ambition. That's what his blind ambition was, and right in front of us. And the CIA had every motive to do this because the CIA had been acting illegally in the United States for decades. If they could get the president to sign off on this, which they could claim, they claimed that Mitchell and Dean signed off on this. If they could claim White House authorization, then it goes outside uh, the uh, limitations on the CIA. And now the CIA is legally doing something because they have presidential authorization. You can do something that is against the Constitution. You can commit a crime if it's for the purpose of national security. You can kill Hitler before war is declared on Germany if the president thinks it's necessary. Lincoln freed the slaves when he otherwise could not do it because it was for national security. He did not free the slaves in the states that were not fighting the country and had not withdrawn. So the motive for the CIA was to do this was to keep them all out of jail and to get the presidential authorization to uh, legalize their program of taping hookers in their johns and using them for extortion. Okay. The lieutenants liked it because it would help them uh, get their oppo portfolio. This has been covered up. The real headline for me, though, John, is that the Post knew all this. And I explained it in my books. The Post knew all of it. And interestingly, they had far more pipelines into the truth than the White House had. The White House didn't know any of this. They didn't have pipelines to the CIA. The Post did. They didn't have pipelines into the DNC. The Post did. They didn't have pipelines into the local police, which got a lot of information at the time of the arrest indicating the target. The White House did not. The Post had all that. Uh, so um, for your listeners, let me just tell you about one little event that the Post never reported. The, the officers come in, tell the guys to line up against the wall, put their hands there, and watch out. Please don't do anything while we patch down. One guy reached into his pocket. The guy thought he might be pulling a gun. He yells at him. The guy keeps going into his pocket, pulls something out, 
The officer grabs him by the wrist. They have this wrestling match. He almost broke his arm, he said. This guy, a very wiry, tough Cuban guy. And finally, the officer gets it from him, and it is a desk key that had been attached to a little pocket notebook in the guy's pocket. In the, within the next 10 days, the FBI discovered what that key was to. It was for a desk in the area where they were all setting up their cameras. The desk was the desk where they kept the pictures of the prostitutes and all the, um, uh, because what would happen is out of town Democrat would come in and use the phone and in this area of the place, he would look at a picture of the girl, make his arrangements over the phone and he'd be on his way that night. That was what they were doing. They were getting all the information about this call girl ring and the Democrats referrals. And the guy tried to get rid of a, a key and almost, uh, lost his life because of it. And the post never reported where the cameras were and what, what the key opened to, or that there was a key. So we know right now, none of your listeners know that there was a key found on this, at this uh, burglary. Now, how did you, how did you come across that information? Well, I've been in my research on deep throat. I've always been a deep throat buff since yeah. for 50 years. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and so I knew all about him and I figured that out. Once I started representing him, I had to do a book. I was sort of forced to do a book because I'm the only guy that the publishers would let do a book. Yeah, so let me, let me stop book. you there, John, because I want to let people know you represented the actual Deep Throat in his defense. That's right. Yeah. I, well, what I did was I knew that he was Deep Throat. When I found out that he was uh, the grandfather of a friend of my daughter's, I asked to come up and meet with him because I thought I could talk him into admitting he was Deep Throat. He hadn't admitted it. I did that. Then I thought I could talk him into coming out. I finally did that. And then I got his story and I knew about it. And in the course of doing all this research so that I could convince people that I was always right, that he was deep throat, I came across a lot of different strands of research of facts and documents that had come out since Watergate. Um, and I put that together and I, and so forth. And so you can find this information scattered here and there. Plus, again, I add something when I have reviewed all the post materials. I, I know the deep throat story better than anybody else. I've reviewed the FBI memos. My point is, the bottom line for me is that they were that the post covered up Watergate. Now, that's a very, very tough charge to make, and I will say it very confidently to your audience: the post covered up Watergate. Nixon made a couple acts of obstruction at the advice of Dean, which were very minor. He obstructed justice, but the context was he didn't know what had been done here, and his office really had nothing to do with this. He's like any other president under siege. You don't know what to say. You want to put on a good face to the public. So I'm not saying he didn't obstruct justice. Technically, he did a couple times. So did President Clinton, by the way. Uh, but the question is, is the context. Yeah. And if it turns out that the CIA had infiltrated the White House and the campaign, which they did, and if it turns out that his lower-level uh, employees, including Dean, who was his lawyer and who was advising him into these cover-ups to protect Dean, not to protect the president, but to protect Dean, now we have a whole new ball of wax. The whole thing is turned on its, on its head. Nixon is more of a victim than a victimizer. I'm not going to excuse anything he did that right. was wrong. right. But but this is but but the main thing is, is that while there is a core of fact there that is there, there was a burglary and so forth and so on. There was campaign cash used. That's why the aides liked it, because there's plenty of cash when there's a campaign. You can do just about anything with that mm. cash. Yeah. But but that is the that is what happened here. And when you see that the most impactful scandal probably in world history was has been reported wrongly for 50 years yeah. and we call everything gate it's pretty stunning to me and when i realized that it, it took me until 2010 till i figured this out yeah and so you know i'm not i, I used to be a big choir boy for the post now i'm not hey john uh, i, so I, I, I want to stop you because i, I want to to sum it up again because it's it's kind of complicated uh so what you're what you're saying that it, first of all it was not a political operation to, to get political information to help the campaign. It wasn't that at all. Uh, it had to do with uh, hookers and people, uh, uh, pictures of hookers and stuff that was in there. And the CIA, What? Wh who was going to um, 
be damaged by the information that these uh, operatives who were uh, uh, ostensibly working for uh, Richard Nixon, who was going to suffer from the information that they gathered and, and how? Well, you're talking about two different groups now. You've got the lieutenants okay. who thought that it's good to just have a little oppo dirt. Maybe there's a prominent Democrat that they catch on tape. Okay, they're hoping yeah. for something like that. So they say, Mr. President, look at me. Do I get brownie points? Oh, okay. But, but, but the CIA had a far bigger agenda. They wanted to legalize what had been decades of illegal practices by saying, well, the president condoned all this. We can prove it. The president mm-hmm. gave us authorization. Now, once you've done that, they didn't care about what they actually overheard. They, they had control of the call girl ring anyway. It was the CIA was protecting that call girl ring. They knew it was there. They were wiretapping people there anyway. But who was, who was patronizing the call girl ring? Out-of-town Democrats that would okay. come to the okay. DNC. One of the things the DNC does is entertains Joe Schmo from Montana that comes in with his ribbons on his chest because he's the state chairman, mm-hmm. and he wants to know where a guy can have a good time that night. Okay. Sometimes you give him to a restaurant. Sometimes you send him to a movie. Sometimes you maybe want a little female companionship. Okay. That has happened in life before. I hear that. And at yeah. the time, And at the time, Washington was one of the most hooker-intense places in the world. Remember this, women had not entered the professions yet, so there was only one profession that was really yeah. available to women in those days, and there were so many out-of-towners with big bankrolls that were coming from other places. It was a big hooker town, and, and Jay- right around Watergate was the big hooker haven was in the Watergate bar. Oh, wow. JFK was a big uh, customer of the hookers. Well, J- well, except that JFK had so many... Um, Different outlets, let's say, and different connections. He maybe didn't need hookers. Didn't need them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He certainly had great connections. But there were some prominent guys, and and this was a big deal finding out who who you could get the goods on with the hooker because for the CIA you could extort that person if you found a guy from the Chilean embassy that was going around on his wife, you can extort him. If you found a senator doing it. All of a sudden, that senator's not going to vote against your budget. Wow. So forth and so on. So, the, 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 But the CIA had been doing this for quite a while. And that's okay? a lot more valuable than any political information you can get on somebody. Right. And remember this, the DNC had no political information at the time. They have yard signs and bumper stickers when they do get it. But they didn't even have that yet because they didn't even know who the nominee was yet. So they have no information. It's a worthless target. And Larry O'Brien, the director of the, of the DNC was not even in town during those months. He was out getting ready for the campaign. So everybody, all the posters always told us they wanted to listen to Larry O'Brien. They just omit the detail that Larry O'Brien was, wasn't around and wouldn't be around. So, and, and the CIA did not really want that information. All they wanted to do was wiretap so that they could say they had it. They refused to tape. They didn't really want to capture anything on tape. Uh, and, and, and so forth. But they wanted approval. They wanted the earmarks of presidential approval for, uh, an op- for a whole slew of operations around the country, but especially in Washington, D.C., where they were, hooker- where they were uh, you know, spying on hookers in their johns, very important johns, what? and extorting people. What about Woodward and Bernstein? They're out there right now selling a book that they've just done about uh, the in- inner workings of the Donald Trump administration. Um, were or or are they the heroes they were portrayed to be in the movie about them? Oh, no. No, not at all. Uh, I, I, I credit Woodward for some of the stuff he got from Deep Throat, my client, which at the time was very important because, let's face it, the Nixon Justice Department was trying to restrict the investigation. Deep Throat, his main object was not to screw Nixon, but to make sure the investigation, his investigation was not... Uh, unduly narrowed and, and narrowly focused. My guy wanted to bring everything to the grand jury, not just the seven burglars, but other things the White House had done so that he could see if, in fact, the Oval Office had authorized this. Felt, deep throat, Mark Felt, deep throat, did not know whether the president had authorized this, but, but thought he could find out with a wider investigation. So that's what he cared about and and so forth. So that's the genesis of so Woodward did some good reporting there. The problem is when he found out that things weren't really <laughs> uh, sponsored by the White House, he didn't report it. When he found out the CIA was behind it, he didn't report it. How do you John, know that he knew that, though, John? How do you know that Woodward knew that CIA was involved? 
Well, let me give you one example. Okay. In the movie and the book, the most dramatic episode ever is on May 16, 17, that night, when Deep Throat hurriedly burst into the garage. He's agitated. His lips are trembling. He is scared out of his mind, and he said, everyone's life is in danger, exclamation point. And then he went on to say, everybody's going to get wiretapped. Watch out. You can get killed. Woodward is blown away. He tells Bernstein they go meet with Bradley in his yard. It's a big event in the book and the movie. Mm-hmm. But what nobody ever tells us is what that meant. Everybody thinks it must be the White House. Right. Well, if you look at Woodward's notes, he's saying the CIA is not so much worried about getting caught in Watergate. Because as I told you, they had authorization they could claim for Watergate, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. But if you look at Woodward's notes, and in the book he, he says that the CIA was afraid of the other activities to which an investigation would lead. And remember me telling you they've been doing this for decades. And that's the hooker they stuff. They were afraid, yeah, all over the country, and certainly there, but they had been wiretapping the CIA. It's illegal for them to even do any operations in the United States. They can do all this stuff in Europe or Asia or Russia or wherever, but not in the United States. Their charter doesn't allow it unless the president says so. So what happened was they were threatening murder at the time because they were afraid, and I go into it in my book, they were afraid that it was going to blow. Their secrets were going to blow and they were threatening murder as to anyone who would blow the deal. I talked in my book about they did poison one guy that was going to blow it the very next day after Felton met him in the meeting. Now, you, you will see that the Post never, in my book, the Post never reported what should have been a bombshell. The CIA was threatening murder because their role might be exposed. The CIA had plenty of other stuff for decades that they'd been doing wrong. They were afraid of getting exposed. The CIA was involved in Watergate. They're afraid of that getting exposed. How's that for some nice headlines? Nothing was published by these truth-telling journalists. Now, does your audience tell me that this is great reporting? Sure. Who says it's great reporting? I'll tell you who says it's great reporting. The Post. Right. They tell you how great they are, and we all believe it. And we all go to the movie. And I follow this very closely, and I had no knowledge uh, of, of this whole concept but if you put that together, that what I just told you about May 16, 17, with later documents that come out that turn out that Howard Hunt is most likely falsely retired and reporting to the CIA, he's in the White House. James McCord had gotten a job as a security guy at the campaign. He was most likely falsely retired and was reporting to a CIA guy that I talked about in my book and how I proved that. So he was still reporting to the CIA. Hunt was still reporting to the CIA. McCord even mentioned to a D.C. policeman that the job was a CIA job. Wow. Hey, hey, John, I'm, I'm out of time. I wish I was not out of time because there's a, you got some crazy stuff there. The secret for people is to read your book. It's amazing stuff you're telling us here, and I'm going to take a look at it myself. I really appreciate you coming on, and good luck with the book. Sure. The Mysteries of Watergate, what really happened. Yeah. John, it's a great, great talking to you. Hey, good talking to you. We'll be right back. Let me say it again. The 2020 election was the most secure election in American history. Thousands of fraudulent votes were cast. The cover-up continuous. There has been no evidence of widespread voter fraud. See 2,000 Mules, the jaw-dropping new movie from Dinesh D'Souza, uncovering the proof you've been waiting for. I think millions of Americans know something went wrong. See the proof found in their own cell phone geo-tracking. Philadelphia alone, we've identified more than 1,100 mules. This is organized crime. Watch 2,000 Mules, available now on SalemNow.com. Without free and fair elections, we are not a democracy. We are a criminal cartel masquerading as a democracy. They have ruined Election Day in the United States of America. That's provable. See the proof for yourself. 2,000 Mules. Watch it or buy it today at SalemNow.com. That's SalemNow.com. 2,000 Mules, executive produced by Salem Media Group. In 2008, I wrote the book, The Dumbest Generation. This is Mark Bauerlein. My first book chronicled the millennials who spent time staring at screens with extravagant hopes of a high-tech future. They were confident, optimistic, ambitious. Technology was to make millennials the smartest generation. In truth, it robbed them of faith, patriotism, history, art, literature, civics. The mentors didn't give them beauty and truth and greatness. Instead, millennials have looked for answers in utopian dreams of perfect justice and universal happiness that will only disappoint them. At age 30, 
they go for cancel culture. My new book, The Dumbest Generation Grows Up, From Stupefied Youth to Dangerous Adults, lays out the wreckage and shows how to rescue the next generation. If you'd like to learn more about my work, listen to my podcast at First Things Magazine, www.firstthings.com, www.firstthings.com. From best-selling author Mark Bauerlein, get the essential new book, The Demos Generation Grows Up, available wherever books are sold. This is the John Stackerwald Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5, The Answer. Pretty amazing stuff there from John O'Connor. And keep in mind, he actually um, defended the person who was the actual deep throat in the Watergate uh, story. And uh, so he's done an unbelievable amount of research on this. And it's interesting because um, today I, I came across this on, uh, at Reason.com. And as far as I know, I didn't read, get through the whole thing, um, but uh, I don't think there's any mention of John's book in here. But the headline on Reason, because it is, it's a 50-year anniversary tomorrow, so you're going to be seeing a lot of stuff on Watergate, I guess. The headline is, 50 years later, the motive behind Watergate remains clouded. And the uh, first paragraph is, despite the abundance of transcripts, FBI reports, and memoirs from those involved, we still know more about the cover-up than we do about the infamous political scandal. That's what you just heard John O'Connor talk about for 15 minutes. Everybody focused on the cover-up. Everybody assumes that they were in there looking for political information. And John O'Connor is, uh, you know, I'm getting from my discussion with him that I'm guessing you just heard, is that this wasn't about political stuff. It was about getting dirt on people. And as usual, it involved sex and it involved uh, hookers, and it, it is Washington D.C., and we're talking about the late '60s into the early '70s. Um, I, uh, I, 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 all I can t- do is listen to what John O'Connor says, and I have to tell you, I didn't read his book. It's just, I think it just came out like a day or two ago, and I did as much research as I could on the book so I could ask him some intelligent questions. But he stunned me with what he said. I have to say, I think I'm going to go out and get this book, "Mysteries of Watergate: What Really Happened." And just based on what I heard him saying and what I know about the CIA now and the FBI over the last how many years, I believe him. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.